Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, owner of Karen Litzy Physical Therapy, located in the heart of New York City. And today on the podcast, we are talking about the power of owning your CEO status, especially for my healthcare CEOs. So to help us through this subject, I am happy to bring onto the podcast today, Brandy Mabra. She is the CEO of Savvy Clover Coaching and Consulting and a CEO coach for private practice owners. She has 15 plus years of business management and leadership experience where she has worked in diverse business climates and has turned healthcare broken practices into well-oiled and profitable machines. So if you are a CEO, if you want to be a CEO one day, Be sure to listen all the way through. Brandy has some really great advice, and she has a free gift for all of our listeners, but you have to wait to the end to get that free gift, or you can go and check out all of the show notes at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com or on whatever podcast platform you are listening to right now. So enjoy today's episode. Hey, Brandy, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you about healthcare providers being CEOs or CEOs that just happen to be healthcare providers. Anyway, (laughs) we'll get out, we'll get into it, but thank you for joining us. I'm excited. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this conversation too, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So before we get going, would you mind giving the listeners a little bit more about your background and how you came into the coaching space really specifically for people in healthcare? Yeah, yeah. I always say that my story was a long, windy one. And, you know, just like entrepreneurship can definitely be. But I have 15 plus years, gosh, it's probably even closer to 20 at this point in time of healthcare experience. So, you know, I come from a long line of healthcare, just from my family, and I ended up following suit. Um, I ended up in practice management uh, by moving from Ohio to North Carolina. And I was very blessed with that opportunity. So I've worked in a number of different specialties. I've worked on the provider side. I've worked on the payer side. I've done consulting with, you know, private practices, corporate and small business. I've done consulting with large hospital systems and just all the things. And so when I got to the place of working in multiple C-suites and got to a place of being hired specifically for my skill set, I started to burn out and wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do with my career. And, you know, continuing to climb the ladder didn't feel like it was in alignment for me. So I was like, what else can I do? You know, there has to be more than this. And so I decided to start my business. And I would love to say that right from the jump, I was like, oh, I'm going to work with private practitioners and I'm going to work with healthcare practitioners and I'm going to teach them the business side of their practice. But it didn't happen that way because of mindset and imposter syndrome and not thinking that you're good enough and all all of the things that can definitely creep up when you're trying to build a business. Mm -hmm. And that happened to me, too, despite like all my years of business and leadership and, you know, all the things that I've been able to do over the years. So when I first started, my business was actually in career coaching. 
because I would always get asked, like, how have you been able to climb the ladder? How have you been able to work in all these different types of environments? How have you been able to be a woman, you know, especially a black woman and get into like C-suites? Like, how have you been able to do that? And so I thought that that was going to be it until I started to get asked about resumes and, you know, LinkedIn and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's not really right in my alley. So I pivoted to business coaching and quickly as I started to talk about my healthcare background and starting to get more out there and started to be on different types of podcasts, healthcare podcasts, then, um, you know, folks started to reach out, practice owners started to reach out saying we need help. We don't understand the business side. And, you know, and after the number of providers that I've worked with, then I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's my niche. You know, that's how I'm here to help. And it's been a perfect perfect alignment. I always felt like I was sitting on such a huge skill set and just didn't know what to do with it. So, you know, fate and just trusting the process and all the things. So, right. Right. What a story. Now, I know um, a big part of your coaching centers around kind of the power of of owning the role of the CEO. Mm hmm right? And I sort of alluded that before we get on the air, I said, oh, you know, it, it took me like seven years to realize, oh, I'm a, I'm a business owner. Mm-hmm. Oh, this isn't, this isn't my job. This is my business. <laughs> and I just happened to be a physical therapist. So, um, but that took me a long time and I wish I had cut through some of that earlier on. So can you talk a little bit more about what it means to own your CEO role? Yeah, yeah. Owning your CEO status is all about, all about just owning what is happening in the business and what isn't happening in the business. And so ultimately, what we were talking about is that when you first start your business or start your practice, it's, you're just trying to create a job, right? You're trying to get some money in the door. You're trying to get a feel for, you know, what do I need to do to make money, you know, get clients and patients and whatever that looks like. But at some point in time, you have to transition out of that mindset. So oftentimes, it's when you are full and you're booked and, you know, and you have like money coming in the door, like you need to make a shift, you need to make a pivot. And that's where truly owning your CEO status comes into play. It comes into play personally, it comes into play professionally, um, because you start to miss out on like the personal part of it, you know, being able to take a vacation, being able to, you know, do more things that you want to do, you know, being able to spend more time with family or friends or whatever that looks like. And you're working all the hours. So the early mornings, the late nights, the weekends, and you start to resent the business if you don't start to shift into that CEO mindset. And then on the flip side of it, on the business side, there's like all the operational processes and systems that you have to start to pay attention to, because now you've grown your business. Right. And so that's a shift. And so oftentimes what I find is people continue to focus in this solo, you know, practitioner mindset. And you can't do that. You can't have revenue coming in the door. You can't have folks coming in the door and thinking that you don't have a company and you just have a simple business because then you miss, you know, the taxes that you have to pay or you're you're spending more money or you're not fully understanding like what's maybe happening on the client side or, you know, just from an experience, um, you know, just if you need to hire, then you're making multiple hires, you might be firing, like all this stuff can definitely start to come into play because the business starts to take on its own personality and you have to, you have to be paying attention to that. So what happens is eventually the business will take over you instead of you taking over the business or running the business or being in control of the business. And it's a real thing, you know, and even with all of my years of experience, I got stuck in that, you know, I got stuck in the weeds. I got stuck in, you know, just all the hours. Like if you go back and look at my story, 
you know, there's times where I talk about my son coming in with me on the weekend. He was little sitting down on the floor coloring and I'm just working away because my week just got a, got away from me or, you know, I lost control. And so it's definitely important for you to own your CEO status. And that was actually one of the things that my mentor told me, you are the CEO of your practice. <laughs> like you need to pay attention. You need to be the CEO of your practice. So once I started showing up and talking about it, it's, it's very true. It's very, very true. And so easier said than done. Absolutely. Right. So do you have any tips or what do you, when you're working with your clients, how do you get them to make that mind shift of a healthcare provider that has a business versus a business owner that happens to be a healthcare provider? Yeah, there are nine principles that we really focus on. Right. And so within those nine principles, the big one um, is called cultivate your CEO. And so with that, it starts with the mindset piece. So before we jump into like the structure of the practice or, you know, what the vision of the practice is, we start with what is the mindset? You have to pay attention to your environment. You have to pay attention to, you know, what you want your schedule to look like. You have to pay attention to, you know, definitely like what the vision and the mission is for the practice, you know, where are you going? Like, what is your North Star? So if you say that, oh, I want to make a million dollars, but you were still focusing on like this, um, you know, this solopreneur type mentality. Okay. How are you going to get to a million dollars? You know, what does that make sense? If you say like, I want to have, I want to make like a global impact. That's my North Star. Great. Are you set up for, for that? So one of the things that we definitely dive into is, are you prepared for what you're asking for? oftentimes you're not, you know, and so, oh, yes. yeah. So we start there. Like what, what is truly the vision, get comfortable with the vision, realize that the vision is going to make you feel uncomfortable, but that's all part of the mindset piece of it. And because even if, as the business grows, as you start to hire, you have to have that clarity for that vision. So we always start with mindset first. Yeah. And I, what I find is a lot of people sort of skim over the mission and the vision and the values, mm -hmm. right? I don't know if you've noticed this, and they go straight for what I don't know. We could go one, two, three. What's the word? Marketing. Yes. Right. Always. Yes. Always. It's, always. Oh, vision, mission, values, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to marketing. Well, okay. But don't you need the vision, the mission, and the values so you know who you're marketing to yep. and why you're marketing and yep. why you exist? And so I always stress to people like, don't, this is, this should, this is where you want to spend a lot of time, mm -hmm. you know, marketing, you can hire someone to do your marketing down the road. You know, you can, you can do some ads, you can go out and meet people, you know how to talk, right? Yeah. But not knowing who you are and where you're going as a business disaster. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that is, you know, marketing is definitely one of the nine principles that I was referring to, but it's something that we focus on not as heavily, <laughs> you know, right, and, it's, right. and it's because at the end of the day, the marketing is important, but marketing is always, it's a sexy topic. It's like money, you know, so right. if you show up and you talk about marketing and sales and, you know, getting money in the door and it's just like, Ooh, but if you talk about like, Oh, you have to know yourself as a leader and you have to understand, you know, what your, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are like, that isn't the sexy side of business. 
business. Right. You know, operations isn't the sexy side of business. Firing or having difficult conversations isn't the sexy side of business, but it's the real side of business. And it's one That's of the right. things that you definitely have to pay attention to. And that falls into that mission and vision for sure and values, because it is, again, it's your North star and you won't have that clarity for where you're even headed if you don't understand or if you don't even acknowledge I'm not too sure what I want to build. I'm just going to market myself and get out there and just see, because sometimes that is part of it. Like you have to go out there and engage in order for you to even have that clarity for the mission, the vision, and right. the value. But at the end of the day, you still have to know where your, you know, where your base is. Absolutely. And, and you had touched on something that I want to talk a little bit about as well. And that's talking about your operations or your infrastructure, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. And how important that infrastructure or those those standard operating procedures are. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit more about why they're so important to not only the success of your business, but of you as the CEO of that business? Yeah, yeah. Structure is so important. And one of the things I always say is chaos lose mo- loses money. I have been hired to fix multiple practices where the money's coming in the door, um, you know, but the infrastructure was a mess, right? And so there was a lot of duplicity, you know, inefficiency, uh, people not understanding what their roles are, you know, what do I need to do, you know, with people doing the same jobs, like all of that. And so that costs time. So when your operations or your infrastructure is weak, are lacking, that's your foundation, right? And so if you have a weak foundation, your house is going to crumble. So you need to make sure that you're paying attention to the workflows, processes and systems, looking at the technology that you're using, making sure that you are definitely taking advantage of, um, you know, mapping things out, you know, starting with step one, step two, paying attention to not so much what you're doing, but how are you doing it? Like all of those things are so important when it comes to the infrastructure. And so some of the things that we look at is we look at practice management systems, you know, EHRs, mm-hmm. you know, are you really making the most of that? Are you utilizing the, you know, the automation that's in there? Are you utilizing the reports in order to have more data? So that way, you know how to pivot within your practice. The other thing that we look at is like how you're scheduling, how your financial processes are, even how your marketing processes are. So within your practice, you have multiple systems that, you know, one could be really great. And then another one could be costing you money. So okay. let's, for example, like if you're hiring, your hiring is a process, your it's a workflow. So if that is inefficient, if it takes you too long to get people in the door, or even with clients, like if you have an onboarding system, right? So if your workflows, your processes and systems are inefficient, it takes too long to get people in the door in order for you to bring in revenue. That's a problem. If you, if your financial process is on the back end, when you need to collect money, either if it's revenue or billing or whatever, if that's not efficient, then that's going to cost you money. So it's like those little things that you don't really think about that you're just doing that can really start to add up to where now, like one of our clients, she was leaving $85,000 on the table because yes, yeah. So as your practice grows, you know, like Whoa. how you're doing things really, really do it really does matter. So eighty five thousand dollars, I mean, that's a game changer, right? And 100%, so hundred percent, yeah, right. And it was just all in billing. So you know, and that was like where she was losing it. So oh my gosh, yeah. yeah so chaos costs money. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, I know. I'm I'm a big fan of 
automating as much as mm-hmm. I can, which I'm sure you are as well and and something that you have your clients do, which is why I'm a big fan of really good EHRs or EMRs. Because yes. now, I mean, I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you do, 15, 20 years ago, yeah. remember? It was, <laughs> it was like, the, there was like nothing. You were doing stuff mm-hmm. on paper. It was yeah. so inefficient, right? And now with the right system for your business, which I'm sure mm-hmm. every business is different. And luckily there are, I mean, how many EMRs are there now? Oh my gosh. Like right? so, so many. I remember I walked into, this was years ago, but I walked into, what was it? Costco, I want to say, or um, like a Sam's Club type thing. Yeah. And there was, a, I think it was Practice Fusion. I cannot remember, or e-clinical work, something, but it was a EHR system in a box. And I was like, really? <laughs> the store and buy this. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's just, it makes such a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you have people, um, map out their workflows or their systems? Do you do like a literal process map? Do you have people write Mm -hmm. lists? I mean, I'm sure it depends on the person, but what do you find in your experience is, is, has tended to work out best for most? Yeah, yeah. We actually teach our clients inside of private practice CEO how to map out like a a workflow. So it's part of our training with our private clients. We actually walk through. So if we're talking about like a process that's inefficient, then we'll walk through with them or their teams, you know, how to like step one, right? It always starts with step one. And you have to ask the question, like, what is the very first step? So for example, when a, a client enters your world, where are they coming from? So a lot of times is they find our website and then they, you know, they either email or they call. Okay. Well, client comes into to practice through phone call. That's step one. What is step two after that? You know, and really getting very granular. Mm-hmm. Either the person picks up the phone or the person responds to the email, um, you know, in order to get the client in the door, you know, so that's step two, what's step three. And so as you're going through and asking these questions and identifying the processes and you can find like the inefficiencies, you can find the bottlenecks, you can find like, well, I don't know why we do that. Um, You know, a lot of times you'll find, especially if you've been in practice for years, well, we've always done it this way. I've always done it this way. You know, I've never Mm -hmm. thought about doing it a different way. So when you actually start to think about, again, what is process and what's the procedure from one through, you know, 20 or A through Z or whatever that looks like, then you can start to ask yourself the question, do we need to do that? Do we need to eliminate it? Do we need to automate it? Can I delegate it? You know, is it something that we maybe don't have the system for? So to go back with EHRs, a lot of times, especially with our more advanced owners who are now scaling, you know, who are seven figure plus and they need more robust reporting, we're actually helping them to transition out of their old EHR and transition into a new EHR to make Mm -hmm. sure that they have enough data points to definitely navigate with what they need to do, you know, so your EHS, your EHR system is like the central hub of your practice. And so it's important yep. for it to be efficient for sure. Yeah. I feel like I could probably, I could, I'm probably not using my EMR to mm-hmm. its fullest extent. Yeah. I'm sure you hear that a lot. Um, but I feel like I'm probably not doing that and need to get a little bit better at it. As you're saying all this, I'm like, Hmm, I think I need to get a little bit more efficient <laughs> with my systems too. Um, 
But I love that, like being very granular. I went through um, the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program. Mm -hmm. And part of learning like how to map out systems is they said, okay, I want you to tell us how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich step-by-step. Step. We're going to give you two, like a jar of peanut butter, a jar of jelly, two pieces of bread, a napkin, a plate, and a knife. And everyone's like, oh yeah. So you would get your, your knife and you'd put it into the peanut butter and you'd put it on what? Nope. And nope. I see you shaking your head. <laughs> what did, so, so tell me, what, what did we miss? What did we miss when we said that? Because a lot of people miss the same thing. Yeah, you miss like the beginner part. Like you don't just start off with the bread. You start off like you have to go and get the peanut butter. You have to go and get the jelly. You have to remove the lid. You That's have to, everybody. You know what I mean? To like you have lid. to do all of those things. <laughs> right. So right. yeah, like even right down to like walk over to the drawer and grab the knife. And you know, so right. you get very much in the details, very much in the details. Yeah. And everyone forgot to take off mm -hmm. the lid. So as we're doing this, you know, someone was enacting it and they're like, put it in. And she's like, I can't yeah, do it. because it's the lid still on. <laughs> so that's how specific you have to get yeah. when you're talking about your systems mm -hmm. and your operating procedures. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted to really drill that in for people. It's got to be that specific. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else on systems or, or standard operating procedures that you wanted to get across. Yeah. I want everyone to know that they're, cause we always have this idea of like, Oh, I want my practice. And I talk about it too. You want your practice to be well oiled. One thing I will tell you is that at some point in time, your practice is going to break. There's always going to be inefficiencies. And so part of the, the biggest point is you have to recognize when there is inefficiency. So if you are seeing where something's taking more time or it feels very manual or it just feels hard those are all red flags that you need to dig into something deeper. If you're getting complaints, that's a red flag, you know, so you have to start to look at like, okay, is there something we need to do differently here? But there will never be a point in time where your practice will just always be perfect. And so it's an ongoing process. It's ongoing to pay attention to it. That's part of lean. So I've taken multiple lean classes. And one of the things that they do say is you're always analyzing, right? You're always paying attention. You're always looking, you're always talking to your team because your team honestly can, if you, if you have a team can help you recognize when there are things that might be wrong, if you train them up that way. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really powerful. I love lean. I love processes, you know, like just mapping out workflows and things. It's kind of a geek thing for me, but but it's fun. <laughs> well, you are in the right, you are in the right job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Something else that um, you had mentioned when you were talking about your own journey is how, mm -hmm. you know, you sort of got down into the weeds and it kind of burned you out. So how can a CEO take that, you know, 20,000 foot view and not get down into the weeds quite so much? Because I know when you get down into the weeds, it's stressful you can't, you're like on the verge, you're, you just feel like a failure almost, even mm -hmm. though objectively you're not, but that's how you feel. So how do you, how do you switch those hats? Yeah, you have to stop. That was my, that was my way out is that I had an intern at the time and he pointed it out to me, like your door is nonstop. My desk was a mess. Like you could walk in and my team could tell like how busy I was. And so when I had to really just stop and pay attention, if we could maybe record that part, <laughs> 
think it's starting to get late, but, um, but one of the things that I had to do was just stop and start to pay attention to what I was doing and then actually schedule time on my calendar to really pay attention to what, you know, what needed to be done. So I came up with themed days. So for example, I had, or what they're called today, you know, CEO dates and what I call, you know, business health check-ins. And so during those times, I would actually pay attention to certain tasks that I had to do frequently within the month. So for example, looking at my P&L or categorizing, like going through like inventory or having certain team meetings, um, you know, really diving deep into like, even with compliance and I had a compliance day, like just really paying attention to the activities that I needed to do and then assigning a day to them and giving myself an appointment and rec and sticking to sticking to that time and sticking to the appointment. So that way I could pull myself up and it's just giving yourself the dedicated time to look at things from a high level. Uh, for sure. That's like the number one thing. And most times when even with our clients, what we force them to do is to take the time because it's really easy to fill the time. I was to just going to ask else. you that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we you, force them to take the you time. You're actually saying, put this on your calendar. Is it like a one hour, a half hour, whatever the time that you need? Or do you recommend a certain amount of time? Yeah. I recommend on a weekly basis, at least 60 minutes for some, it's like that feels too heavy. Okay, cool. Let's start off with 30 minutes Uh (laughs) and, you know, let's just give you some time, but 60 minutes minimum on a weekly basis. And then if, and depending on what you're doing. So for example, we do quarterly planning with our clients. And so with that time, you know, you have to block off more time. So at least three hours, if you're going to plan out your quarter, you know, to pay attention. So that's one of the things that you have to do is start to look forward. You have to make sure that you know what's coming up. A lot of times what happens is we don't pay attention to what's coming up and then it comes and then we're like, oh crap, I don't have time to do this or I can't mm-hmm. do this or I didn't know about this. So it really costs you, um, It co- that costs your your time, that costs stress, that makes you more tired and exhausted and overwhelmed just from not paying attention to what's coming up. So yeah, that's great advice. So kind of blocking off 60 minutes on your schedule where, you know, in, in, my case and a lot of people who are listening, you're not seeing a patient at that time mm-hmm. and it's okay. Yes. Exactly. You'll, you'll get through it. Yes. <laughs> you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Everybody will be fine. Mm-hmm. Right. And exactly. I would say even better because you're giving yourself that time to like take a snapshot of where your business is at that week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what happens yeah. is, you know, definitely with our clients, they start to say like, oh, I feel like I'm forgetting something because I feel more structured or, you know, I'm able to spend more time with my husband or I'm finishing work earlier or like one of our clients just went on vacation for two weeks and she didn't have to work, you know? And so like that was a change for her. And so it's a mindset shift, but also too, it's a boundary thing. And you just have to decide like, this is what I want to do at the time and then hold yourself to it. Right. And so treat yourself like you would treat your clients. If you're giving them advice or making them do something, you know, definitely because you deserve that. You deserve to have time. You deserve to have peace. And then for every hour of planning, you save like 10 hours of doing. So if you can take one hour and, you know, save yourself 10 hours, you know, imagine what you can do with that time. Yeah. Sign me up. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love every hour of planning saves 10 hours of doing, doing. That's Mm -hmm. great. I love that. Um, Wonderful. Uh, So let's see, we've covered systems, we've covered 
CEO mindset. Mm -hmm. uh, we covered vision and mission and values and the importance of that. Um, what else, what are we missing? Oh, goodness. I mean, um, that's an uh, that's a opening a can of worms, right? Yeah. What else what else do you want the listeners to take away? That's a good one. I would say just give yourself the grace to meet you where you are and implement the version of owning your CEO status that you can at this point in time. It starts with baby steps. If you can start like with the hour of planning, like if you can start mm -hmm. there, or if you can give yourself, like a lot of times our clients, when they come to us, they're tired because they want to get off work at five, but they're working until six or seven. And a lot of what I'm doing is actually just giving them permission to end their day at five. So if there are certain things that you can do today, just go ahead and do it, you know, or ask yourself, what exactly is the obstacle that's keeping me from, for example, ending my workday at five? You know, if that's what you mm -hmm. want to do, okay, it's your business. This is your practice. And Oftentimes it's like, well, my patients will need me or, you know, like, yes, okay. I promise I do, you. I do fine. know. <laughs> yeah, they'll be fine. <laughs> you know, so it's, you know, so just own, own your CEO status, own the lifestyle, own why you started your practice in the first place, own your mission, own your vision, um, and then just have the courage to actually step into it for sure. Wonderful advice. Now I have one last question and it's a question I ask everyone. And that's knowing where you are today, what advice would you give to maybe your early 20s self? Oh, early 20s self, you're going to do better than what you think you're going to do. You oh, know, because lovely. when I was, yeah, because when I was in my early 20s, oh, goodness gracious, I just, I was a mess. I was all over the board. And what has happened is over the years, that's actually been my claim to fame is <laughs> because I was all over the place. And I wasn't sure. I was always trying to figure it out. And so, yeah, that's, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Oh, that's lovely. That's very sweet advice. I don't think we've, I don't, I don't know if I've had that one yet. That's great. Oh, so now, Brandy, where can people find you if they want to work with you? They want to learn more about you. Where, where are you at? Yeah, I am always on Instagram. So you can find me at Savvy Clover Coaching. And then you can also come to my website, www.savvyclover.com. And there is a free on-demand training that is waiting for you there for you called Scale Your Practice. So if you are in a place where you're wanting to grow and scale your practice and want to learn about the nine principles for growth, sustainability, and profit, then it's there waiting for you. So enjoy. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. And of You're course, welcome. we'll have links to everything. So on whatever platform you are listening on right now, in the show notes, we'll have links to all of it. So you can just click and go. Um, so Brandy, thank you so much for uh, coming on. This was a great discussion. I was, if you saw me looking down, I was taking furious notes. Um, and it's got me thinking about some things that I need to start implementing, like um, at least taking 60 minutes a day for my business. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to actually put it in my calendar and almost make it like a standing appointment. Mm-hmm. That That's this is thing. it, like this is every whatever day of the week it is, I'm going to just give it to myself. So thank you for inspiring me to do that. And hopefully you've inspired everyone else at the same time in this podcast. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. 
And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.